So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Alltag, and thanks as always to our supporting partner, Aura2. Now my guest this week is Farrah McNutt. Now Farrah is the director at Catch a Thief UK. Now she has eight years experience working in the security industry, helping retailers to report crimes, prevent crimes in the first place, keeping investigations opening, training staff along with her very unique consultancy. Now the range of knowledge comes from a very different perspective around crime prevention and more of that in a moment. Now, Catch a Thief UK is a crime prevention partnership platform dedicated to helping its members in reducing crime across the UK. And they have a range of members from many independent retailers. Now, welcome. Thank you, Paul. And thank you for having me on as well. So absolute pleasure. Now, interestingly, um, I, as I often do, before um, I get a guest on, I sort of Google them, go to LinkedIn, and um, there's quite a lot uh about you out there in social media you you offer a lot and you and you do a lot but i want to go before we get into that and your experience i'm really interested young farah at school way back when what was the dream what did you actually want to do what did you dream of 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 being a crime uh fighter or was there something else that was uh that was a burning ambition way back when so at school i wanted to be a chef Okay. Yeah, that was that was my dream job. Get out, be a chef. Um, but obviously, I went down a different road, uh, which we'll touch on as well. But I went down a different road and ended up getting in a bit of trouble and lacking at school, if you like. So um, I don't know why it sort of fizzled out the chef bit. It just it just became something that sort of fizzled out, you know. I, I don't know. Is, is, is there a range of uh, is there a restaurant chain maybe in your future at some point? Maybe uh, maybe, maybe that's where we end up. So, look, you, you touched on there that you went down you know, a different path. So if you, know, you know, talk to me. So you're at school, you've you know, you've got this ambition uh, to be a chef. Everything, you know, is, is, is looking great, if you like. What what in your, what was your experience of that sort of? Was it a gradual slide into into shoplifting? You know, just just take me back and talk through if you can. So when I was younger and that, I had um, a lot of friends and everything like this. And then as I went into upper school, I started getting a bit of bullied um, from my clothes and stuff. Other kids would have, you know, the top of the range stuff, uh, makeup on and stuff. And I, I wouldn't have that sort of things. Um, it started with my school trousers. So, you know, my school trousers had a hole in and begged my mum for ages to um, get some for me. And she turned around and she was like, I'll get it at the end of the month because, you know, she has a big family. There's 11 of us. So, you know, this one pair of school trousers would take about a month. There's always a birthday. There's always a washing machine that's broke down or something like that in between it. So to save her the financial burden, I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to go grab some school trousers myself. I did try and sew the hole in it, but my sewing weren't great, so it just come apart. So I thought I'd just go grab some school trousers, and I walked into one shop in the town, and I changed my school trousers, and I put uh, the old school trousers on the coat hanger, and I put them back. So I changed them in the dressing gown, and then I just walked straight out. So it started like that, and then I started doing like little things like makeup. You know, once you realise there's no consequences and you know nothing's being done for it, then you sort of feel like, well, I'm just one person. I can go out and I can take this. I can do that. You know, I'm not going to have a whole effect on the school one um, school on the store. I'm one person. Mm. So that's how the mentality goes in your brain. And then when you start shoplifting, the older generation and that they get a win that you're shoplifting and then they sort of befriend you and with them befriending me it sort of helped out the bullies at school as well 
because I had now older friends and stuff that, you know, um, they made us to feel like a family. But they would get me to go into store and shoplift them stuff as well. So some of them had babies and that and then really needed baby clothes and stuff. So I felt like I was doing a good deed for them. I never got paid from them or anything like that. I just I went in there and I took it for them and we gave it to them. We used to go out and like drink sort of party and sort of thing together. So it was more like, you know, I sort of belonged, it mm. felt like at the time. Um, little did I know about the consequences, though. Um, I never spoke to a retail a retailer before on what sort of experience they were having with it or anything like that. Never thought of it as a perspective. I've always thought of it as my own perspective. You know, I can't I can't be making um, a major problem here because I'm I'm one little person taking one thing off the shelf with loads of more on the shelf. But it's really not like that. And and you know, a couple of questions bring to mind. You know, you say you were sort of befriended. Were they befriending? numerous people maybe you know sort of you're like coming into the the shoplifting industry were you targeted was it was it organized in the sense that they knew what they were doing when they befriended you i don't know from their side of things um from my side it seemed like like it weren't just me friends with them other other my friends from the school were friends with these people as well and they did shoplift as well but um, I don't know from their side of perspective things. To my side, they were my friends. Um, I didn't really see the impact they were having until I moved away from the area. And I looked back at my life and I was like, you know, hang on a minute. That wasn't right. You know, they should have been um, telling me to go down a different road. Um, you know, they had shoplifted in the past themselves and everything like that. So they didn't really see the problem to it either. They just seen me as a 13 year old girl who's not going to get in as much trouble as them so that's why they'd send me in the store they had kids and stuff they didn't want to get in that trouble so they'd send me in there so if anyone got in trouble it'd be me and they told me you know you're 13 years old you won't get a record you won't get this um you won't get any consequences or anything like this so to me it was completely harmless mm. and and you say 13 there so in terms of you know you're at school at this point was it an everyday occurrence had you got a set number of stores that you, that you knew where you could go and and what you were getting did it become that much of your of your life if you like yeah so absolutely at first it was every now and then obviously and then as it got more and more it was nearly every lunchtime every day after school you know sometimes I'd even skip school and go down to the town uh, with these older people because they were like 19 20 they were well out of school so I'd go downtown with them instead of going to school and stuff. So it's slowly, you know, my grades started going down. Everything started going down in my life. Um, and then I had the shoplifting on top, which my mum was screwing at me all the time for, grounding me, doing everything um, she could. And obviously, I, I, I really, I don't want to push it to the old a lot, but because they were there and sort of, you know, encouraging it, and I felt like they were my friends at the time, I feel like they sort of pushed me into it a little bit i i, I think i think you've been uh, a little too generous to their character to suggest that they were maybe pushing you a little bit at 13 when you've got somebody 18 19 that's befriended you you know there's you know, you're being groomed to be a shoplifter at that point I, I think uh you know you were the pawn that were being that was being sent in and and exactly. you know, what what sort of age did this continue through I mean was it sort of a a, a one-year blip or, or was this part of your routine for a number of years 
So it was starting when I was 13 and my last shoplifting was when I was 15. So it was like that sort of in between. Um, at the age of 13, you know, it was very at the beginning of when I turned 13 as well. So there was like a two years and, you know, I am ashamed of it and I want to give back to the community. I don't, I didn't realise how much I took from the community back then. And that's one of my um, passions is to give back to them. Because after I spoke to the retailers, um, really and truly, hearing their side of things, because you get told, you know, they can claim off their insurance. They ain't got no losses or anything to this. They, they get the money back anyway. So, you know, that that eases your conscience. And then when you speak to the retail owners and that, and they turn around and go, hang on a minute, we, we don't claim off our insurance. You know, if we was claiming off our insurance for everything, our premiums would be way high. So they can't claim off their insurance for everything. And, you know, they are at a major loss and they've had to let retail staff go. And, you know, you start hearing that and then you start thinking in a different light, like, okay, so why is shoplifting so massive? Why do people get away with it so much if it has that sort of impact and the impact it has on the community and the people around you as well? So then you start looking into the whys and then you realise, well, Every time I did it, there was CCTV there. Why wasn't the CCTV being used? Why wasn't it being investigated? And that's what sort of led me into this. And, and you know, you said you've had a sort of uh, you know, two-year period. What what happened for you? What was the turning point in in your life? Did you, you spoke about, you know, it was when you moved. Did you, did you start to question what you were doing at any point? Or was there a sort of a bigger life event that, that changed your direction? So it, it was definitely a bigger life event. Um, I had my little boy. Um, I had a, I had something to prove. I wanted to make his life better. I didn't want to be the same sort of life as the older lot that I seen, drinking and having the kids around and stuff like that, be getting people to shoplift. I didn't want that sort of life. I wanted it, you know, him to have a nice, calm life. You're always looking over your shoulder and that when you're doing stuff like that. So I didn't want that. And that's really what pushed me into this direction. Like, what else can I do here? What can I do to make it, uh, the world better for my son, obviously? And what can I do to make improve our lives? And, and you know, you talk about giving back to the community. And uh, and I have to say, you know, you know, you putting yourself forward, telling your story, you know, offering the advice, the business catch a thief. I mean, I have to say your profile has gone up and up and up. And we were just joking before we came on air, every time I turn the TV on, you seem to be there walking down the high street, talking away. So, you know, you, you, you're definitely holding true on that. But for those that don't know, talk to me about, you know, from that point through to the business that you've got today, its journey and, and what it is you're actually offering to, to clients. So a major part of this was the education side. So obviously educating myself and then trying to educate the younger lot themselves as well. So putting that knowledge to them as well, moving forward with it. But I started, um, literally, I looked at the Data Protection Act, I spoke to retailers themselves, um, and then I took my idea to Princess Trust because at the time I didn't even have a laptop to make a website on or anything like this. I needed some sort of softwares for the blur inside of things and everything. Um, so I went through Princess Trust. They gave me a grant of £1,500 where I set up uh, with a laptop, with some software and stuff and um, made our own website. It was a really bad website back then, by the way. It was a full of spelling mistakes and the worst thing you could ever see, I suppose. It's come a long way, put it that way. 
Um, and then obviously speaking to the retailers themselves and then getting the trial periods in the stores. And the trial periods were really successful. Um, this is one of the reasons that Prince's Trust gave us the grants because of how successful the trial periods was. And then I went on extra courses like the Talent Match course, which um, done marketing and media side of things. You know, when I spoke when I was younger, I would be very, what's the word, um, street spoken. Um, so talent matching that even helped me with them sort of uh, terms. So I'm not saying words like in it or other sort of words that are more street slang that other people don't like the wider security um, don't really understand. So I had to really fix myself in loads of different aspects to become um, this far. And then after we'd done the trials and everything and we realised, you know, actually this is this is working really well. In 2017, we got our first customer. Um, and then it's just grown from there. And, and you know, that just thinking back to 2017, you know, I mean, that was a hell of a, a journey to go on. And, you know, I hope you've got a printout of that uh, or a, that first website saved. I almost think you need the, the home screen up in the, in the kitchen just just to look at it and show you how far you've come. What, what was that like when because you had this, you know, vision, you knew, you know, you wanted to you'd got knowledge and wanted to do something for the community what was it like when you got that first customer i mean you know just talk me through that sensation and that feeling um when i put the phone down i sort of did a happy dance <laughs> <laughs> and i was like okay we've got this and then they started sending footage over and we started uh, sharing that and we started dealing with all the police reports for them they're phoning me all the time we're phoning each other um and we really like Obviously, that's a part of our support mechanism. That's what we do. So we do a monthly update and everything like this. We give out the warning signs and that. And, you know, they weren't amazing back then, the warning signs or anything, but they still did the job. You know, if you see them now, um, I doubt you can see that one, but if you see them now, then you'll be able to see um, that they've come to an amazing improvement since then. And, you know, the store we had, he did know my past and he did know that he was the first customer. And he turned around and he was like, um, you know what? I'm gonna give you a try. Just just try it in my store. If it works, then great. Yeah. So we did that and everything. And he was uh, so happy. Within three months, we got the theft rate down. Wow. I know. And you know, we always say it takes around about six months to see start seeing a reduction. But his thefts went from at about four or five a month to last year they had seven thefts all year. That big big turnaround. And 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 talk to me about sort of the if you like the do you have a, an ideal profile of customers? So if you were to go after more clients to to join, is it okay? Our sweet spot is this type of retailer. Have you sort of congregated in one area, or is it all types of retail? No, it's all type of retailers. Um, so we have CIC stores as well, community interest companies that are crafters and stuff. We have um, independent stores and we just we sort of bespoke the service around them. So whatever their needs are, um, obviously the warning signs, the audio warning announcements and all that, that's part of the service and everything anyway. But there's extra bits that they can get, like if they needed a body worn camera or anything like this, like the audio warning announcement. What what do we want that to say? Like if it's in a grocery store, then obviously we turn around and we say that they're protected by um, Catch Beef UK on our audio warning announcement. And then we point them to the help and support areas on the um, 
um, thing. So anyone that is stealing a loaf of bread or uh, some milk or something, they're able to approach the staff members and actually get all the lists of help and supports, whether it's for shelter, whether it's for the food banks, the community fridges or anything. They're able to get a list. And most of the stores as well let them use a the phone so they can actually make them provisions because I think it's a lot different if someone's stealing for need or anything than an actual want. So there's one case here that I can really uh, support. So one of our members um, had someone who was coming in stealing a sandwich and a milkshake or a Red Bull and a sandwich, and they were stealing it each and every day. Now, that's all they were taking. They weren't taking any more. So you could sort of see that they were doing it for need. So when they approached them, they turned around and they went, um, you know, basically, you're stealing this. And he turned around and said, well, I'm homeless. I've got nowhere to go. I've got no help or anything. And they let him sit down. They let him use the phone. They gave him all the help and support stuff and everything. And we haven't seen them in store since. And you know what? That um, store owner was really good as well. He turned around and says, if I've got anything at the end of the night, come see me. Don't take it off me. Come see me and I'll give it to you. You know, so it's a completely different approach that you need to take with the help and support side and that's a massive one that I want to um, gain to the same as the one getting through to 13 year olds and other people that believe that this is a victimless crime it's really big steps that we need to take to actually prevent shoplifting further and, and you, you touched on there getting to the 13 year olds yeah what are you how are you getting that message to those 13 year olds to to sort of say you know you got there's a fork in the road make sure you pick the right path so at the minute, it's social media. I have spoken to a few schools, especially when we've had trouble with um, younger people causing antisocial behaviour or they're causing um, shoplifting. I have spoken to the stores and, you know, um, schools, sorry. I have spoken to them and they've turned around and done assemblies around it and everything. Um, but I haven't actually gone into a school and spoke yet. I spoke to universities, undergraduates uh, there. Um, but I haven't gone into a school and spoke, but that's something I really want to do. It's just I've got all this list of what I really want to do. <laughs> I, I can just imagine you, you, uh, you know, you, you, you're experienced enough to to be a wise voice, but young enough that they should be able to relate to you. Um, so yeah, it's great. It's a compliment. I mean, I think you, you know, you would come over very, very well. Uh, that and the big stick that I've seen you walk around with to hit people with, I think, would be a a, a great way to steal. So look, you know. You're talking to people, you know, getting them on board, providing some great services. But you know, with all of your knowledge, I'm just interested, are the things that you go into retail stores and you think, oh, shake, <laughs> I know, you, you just make, go on, give, give, give me a few. You walk in, you put your head in your hands. There must be a few things every single time. I'm intrigued. Go on then. So some bigger stores, um, especially, they'll have CCTV all down the alcohol aisle. There'll be CCTV here, there'll be monitors in there and stuff like that. And then, like, people pick up the alcohol and they'll walk to the pets aisle. Now, the, down the pets aisle, there's not one camera. So that's where they're, they're the blind spots. They do my head in, the blind spots yeah. do. You know, even in independence and that, you go down to the bottom and you just see all these blind spots. And that's that's my major concern because with a blind spot, you can't do anything. If they're concealing it away from the cameras, then what, what evidence have you got to use in court? Mm. So that's a major one. And, and then the other ones is when the alarms go off and they don't check or anything. That that also does mean, and that's, that happened to me as well. You know, I've gone out and I'm waiting for no security comes or anything like this and you know that's I think that's a major problem on the side uh, I, I have to when you said that last weekend I was in a uh, well-known clothing store and uh, the, the the alarm went off when we're leaving it turns out there's a 
a tag being left on one of the items. It must, I mean, I was swinging the bag backwards and forwards, setting the alarm off constantly in the hope somebody would have, I literally had to chase a member of staff down to sort of say, you know, and, you know, as it turned off, but, you know, there was, you're right, there was nobody there. It's, um, it, you know, it, it's, it's got to be followed up, isn't it? If you're going to have the technology, there's got to be somebody there to, 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 to act on it. The same as them self-service things, you know, what you go round and you actually scan the stuff yourself and you put them on trolleys. Yeah, and then you get to the checkout bit to pay and that, and it's already been scanned for you. Yeah, we went there and we had this big full of trolley thing, all the meats like at the bottom where we've gone down the meat aisle and that. And um, we got to there and they were like, we need to scan 25 items. Instead of scanning all the expensive stuff to make sure that we've scanned them, they scanned all the cheap things. And, that, and I'm like, well, I've got, I've got joints of beef in there and that, yeah. you know, and that's something that they should look for. Well, uh, we, we get sidetracked, but I um, I actually went back to a large grocery store, uh, having realised I'd gone through the self-checkout and not paid for something. Uh, £10, took it back to customer service, and they went, oh, I wouldn't have bothered coming back in if I was you. <laughs> no. Pay for this, yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah, anyway. Um... <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I know. I, I mean... And that's just my observation. And, and you know, with your critical eye, I, I, I can imagine. Did you sort of walk around providing a running commentary to uh, anybody you're shopping with going? Oh. Yeah, <laughs> but that shouldn't be there. Look, look that's a well big gap over there. I'm yeah. saying it loud enough so they can hear as well. <laughs> yeah. If I was to shoplift from here, I would take the alcohol and go down that aisle. Yeah. So. It's a constant thought, though, but in a different way, because back then it would have been a constant thought like, oh, that's a good little spot. And now it's like, why would they leave that there? Why would they do that? <laughs> well, I, I, I've got three dogs. I would be down the uh, the pet food aisle anyway. I wouldn't need to go any further than that. That would be my go to. So look, I've heard you talk about different types of shoplifters before. And I think is it three or four that that you categorize? God, give, give, give me your take on on where people fall. So you have your opportunists, your opportunists will go into the store, they would um, have a look around and that, and if they can get away with it, they'll get away with it. Yeah, so that's your opportunist. Um, and then you have your pre-planned, premeditated um, thefts, which would normally be people going out as an acquisitive um, shoplifter. So they're earning money from it. So they're going out and they're taking loads of steak and they know why they've already come to town. Normally they'd have, you know, uh, equipment shall we call it like the foil bags and stuff okay. like that so it'd be going equipped and then you have the organized gangs they they like to be in and out as quick as possible um and they go for the high expensive things cigarettes and stuff like this um and then you have your needy um the ones who generally steal because they haven't got anything and they they need that loaf of bread or something like that um they're the four different types of shoplifters um, obviously there is ones like the ones that are making money from it. They seem to be the bigger part of mm. the shoplifting uh, community because they are taking so much of it and then they're going out and uh, selling that. And that's another message we've got to get across as well. You know, the people that are buying these at a short, uh, cheap rate, what effect is that having on them? You know, are they realizing that they're buying that and pushing the prices up for every single other person or pushing the prices up for themselves. So, you know, just because they got it cheap right then, uh, later on they're still going to be paying for it because all the prices in the store's gone up yeah so interesting so you know shoplifting has sadly been around for decades what, what's your take on the on the landscape right now is 
you know, we hear that theft is, you know, at all time record levels and retailers are, you know, forced to close stores. Do you think it is at an all time high or is there just more awareness of it and it's being reported? Do you get a, a flavor? Is it has it exploded because there is no consequences? You know, you're you're in this world, you know, day in, day out. What What's your sort of uh, thoughts on it? Well, I feel like there was more consequences when I was younger, and that was hardly anything than what there is now. The police would actually attend the shopliftings back then. They'd actually, you know, t uh, take me and they put me in the car and they'd take me back home. Yeah, and then they'll have a word with my mum and stuff like that. That's not happening now. And I think that's a really big sh uh, shame of it all because that's something that's, you know, is a deterrent. Even though it didn't deter me much back then, it still it played on my uh, mind. So to have none of that and, you know, the police not even coming out or anything, no wonder they feel like it's a free-for-all. They feel like they're going to get away with it and they, they can do this. But And then I always say, you know, anyone that does steal from our member store, we are putting a case against them at the behind the scenes. So if they're stealing from one store and they're stealing from another, well, then we're putting them cases together, you know, turning them out nicely and then handing them over to the police. All the investigations I've done, part done, all the identification, all that I do is get the police to pick them up, which can be a bit of a pain, but they do seem to do it. You know, we've had a recent conviction um, just in August and where they got a criminal behaviour order and rehabilitation. So that was like a really good success um, side of it. And and is it the consequences, do you think? Is that the main thing that needs to change to make it you know, less appealing? Yeah, absolutely. Like you think about it, yeah, you're stealing 500,000 pounds worth of goods and then you go into court and you're getting one, 113 pound fine and then you're getting a um, order or something like that. Where's the, where's the, you know, where does it balance? It's like, well, I've, that person's just stole £1,000, but you gave them a £100 fine. How's the retailer then going to claim their their money back or anything like that? What, do they just claim a portion back? Because that's not that's not a very fair way of looking at it. If they've stole that much, then that's what they should be fined as well. I get that, you know, a lot of these people that are stealing haven't got the money on them anyway, and that's one of the reasons they're stealing. Well, if that is why they're stealing, let's help and support them. Get them the help and support they need, not just throw an order on them. You have to do this for this many weeks or something like that. Actually work with them to the help and support side of it. And I think that's a massive, you know, from that side, it's got to be a massive change. Hmm. It, it does feel as if we are building to this point where something's going to change. I'm yeah. not quite sure it'll be quite the level that retailers want, but hopefully it'll be a step in that direction. And we'll begin to see some pushback because... It feels all one-sided at the minute, but it's in the news. You know, there's it's it's never far away from press articles. So, you know, do you sense that as well? That we're are we are we yeah. at this tipping point? Might we see something in the next year or so? Well, we definitely have to because if something's not done in the next year or so, then it's all just talk again. And it's been a lot of talk for the last what eight nine years now. It's been a lot of talk, you know, this is happening, this is happening, oh, but this is not going like this. So there's been so much talk. If something's not done now, when is it going to be done? It is uh, so important. Fingers crossed. Well, you know, people like you keep uh, popping up on TV and, uh, you know, in the press and rattling the cause. Then uh, if we all do our bit as well, then hopefully we can get there. Look, final question for you. 2024. What what does it hold? What are you focusing on? Uh you know, we, we could have you in a school every morning talking. There's more retailers to sign up. There's more press to be done. What what are your plans for, for 
for yourself and catch a thief for 2024? Well, I've still got to pace myself. <laughs> so <laughs> as much as possible. Um, but obviously you can't really pace yourself with shoplifters. They happen at any random time. And some days it's really busy. Some days it's obviously a lot quieter. But for 2024, it's definitely getting our training side sorted with the security guards themselves because we want to make sure we've got security guards that are able to have the physical training side of it. We don't want to just put someone in a store that, you know, really don't know what to do or they can't apprehend or anything like that. We want to make sure that our security guards are at that level and they have got the backup that they need as well because that's a big problem when I spoke to other corporate stores is, you know, their security guards there on their own, no backup or anything like this um, they try and speak through the radio and nothing it's no one comes to help so with that side of things um definitely going into that and then it's just about matching the suspect and showing them that you know we are here to stay and if you do shoplift then there will be consequences here and that's it's just keeping consistent with uh, the last few years and improving on that with body-worn cameras, making sure that everyone can have access to this sort of equipment, um, whether they be independents or corporate stores, everyone should have the equipment needed to actually fulfill that job. You know, when someone, um, they sign up to be a retailer, they don't think, oh, I'm gonna be a retailer, I'm gonna have to deal with shoplifting, I'm gonna have knives pulled on me, I'm gonna be spat at and stuff like that. They don't think that, they just think, you know, I'll be serving my community, I'll be serving um, the people, I'll be do doing the tills and doing the stuff that's what they think and they they have so much more to deal with and i think that's really important to give them the right equipment on that side of things so that's where we'll be pushing more on the security guards the equipment changing the security sector for the better and making it more neat um more neat i i, I love the fact that you say on one hand we've got to pace ourselves a little bit then you just list five <laughs> years worth of work that you're going to knock out in a year <laughs> I know. So, uh, well, this has already been in the motions now yeah. since, uh, you know, for a little while. So we're actually looking at CVs and everything at the moment. So it's not like it's just happened overnight. Yeah. Uh, the no, school I've... thing and that, it's they've all been in the process sort of thing. I have got a um, talk with another university soon. I do want to get to children younger than that, obviously, but we'll we'll pace ourselves with the TikToks and everything we're already doing with social media. We are getting to um, a range of your audience as well. So, awesome. well, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, the very best of luck with the growth. Um, I, I look forward to... Uh, seeing you and your uh, bubbly and infectious personality <laughs> fighting you. back as well. Um, I, I look forward to seeing in person again at uh, whatever event we uh, we bump into each other. But for now, Farah, thank you so much indeed for taking the time to join me and I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thanks, Zane. <laughs>